Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. Hello, Baltimoreans. Sam coming to you here, flying solo at Hootenanny Studios tonight. This week, we wanted to bring you a little special edition episode. This is an essay that I wrote for David Temple's Stealing Home podcast. Some of you longtime Baltimoreans may recall that we had David on the show a while back to talk about Stealing Home, which is a really cool sort of This American Lifestyle podcast about baseball where he takes a theme every week and then expounds upon it through various baseball stories and interviews. He continues to do that show to this day. You can find it at stealinghome.org. And for an episode last year on the theme, The Ones That Got Away, he asked me to contribute a piece, and I wanted to share that piece with you guys this week. When he told me that the theme for the episode was The Ones That Got Away, the first guy that came to mind for me was Ben McDonald. And that may be because of his star turn as co-radio broadcaster with Joe Angel last summer, where he made his infamous Blue Bayou pun. Uh, You can actually hear him making that pun on an episode of our show, which we titled Blue Bayou. But anyway, I wanted to try to, in my own small way, pay a bit of tribute to Ben McDonald, at least the way that I remember him. And so I wrote this essay, and we share it with you now as a special edition episode of Baltimoreans. Thank you very much for listening as always, and I hope you enjoy it. McDonald would stand, as I recall, in the exact middle of the pitching rubber, holding his battered black Rawlings glove a few inches from his chin, his cheek perpetually fat with bubblegum. A long strand of errant leather dangled from the pinky finger of the glove, swaying ever so slightly as McDonald peered in for the signs from his catcher. Once confirmed, he would rock gently back on his left heel, tucking his spindly arms carefully over his head and rotating to his right. His left leg would lift into a perfect crook, making him look rather like a human question mark. The ball held tenderly before his chest in the cradle of the black Rawlings. Then, the arched leg would seem to cascade effortlessly forward, the ball sweeping out of the cradle and up over MacDonald's right shoulder from precisely the twelve o'clock position, hurtling towards the plate as his right foot arched gracefully behind him and landed softly alongside his left, leaving MacDonald standing tall, alert, and even-keeled to await the result of his marvelous delivery. It was a mystery to me, as an 11-year-old Orioles fan, when Mike Mussina arrived to much greater acclaim. His mechanics were, by comparison, almost non-existent. A constant expression of focused serenity on his well-groomed features. A gentle rock back, a short and explosive leg kick with an unspectacular finish. The whole thing was pretty much over as soon as it started. The other key difference, of course, was what happened once the ball left each man's hand. For McDonald, the ponderous grace of his delivery was usually disrupted by the thunderclap of the batsman's forceful contact with the offering, which was usually up in the zone, 
having arrived at the plate with much less velocity than one would think such an intricate sequence of physical preparations would induce. He was constantly whirling around in disbelief as the ball soared into the outfield, endlessly scrambling to back up his infielders as gleeful opponents dashed around the bases, ever the grudging recipient of a whack on the bottom by a manager who stood barely as high as the letters on McDonald's jersey, always trudging back to the dugout, frowning at the ground, wondering where it all went so terribly wrong. Mussina, meanwhile, would quietly baffle opposing hitters with precisely rendered fastballs and tightly twirling knuckle curves. What the hell, I wondered, did knuckle curve even mean? I empathized with Ben McDonald's befuddled state. At the age of 11, I too aspired to pitch in the major leagues, and for a time found myself dominating at lower levels of competition, as he once had. My tactic was simple. I would imitate, motion for motion, the wind-ups of my favorite pitchers as best I could, convinced that if I delivered the ball to the plate in the exact same way they did, I was likely to have similar results. Initially, I relied on a serviceable Alan Mills impression, connecting my glove and throwing hand to my left knee with an invisible string, moving my legs with sharp angles and precise pivots, but that was only because Mills was the first set of mechanics I could reliably reproduce. Eventually, I gathered the courage to attempt a modified Maddox, but it didn't take. I had the minimalist compact motions down, but couldn't quite wrap my head around the cognitive dissonance of throwing the changeup with the same arm speed as the fastball. I dabbled in a right-handed Randy Johnson, but being proportionally as rotund as he was lanky, I couldn't generate the necessary leverage to produce similar results. Casting about wildly, I swerved from the swooping submarine of Todd Froworth to the gangly grandeur of Jack McDowell, from the coy prancing of Rick Sutcliffe to the explosive lurch of Armando Benitez. The Benitez thing actually worked reasonably well once my growth spurt arrived, and for a time I found that I could reliably drop and drive fastballs past my fellow adolescents from a mere 46 feet away. Secretly, I still craved the buttery smoothness of McDonald's movements, but I had a good thing going, and was loath to threaten my hard-earned success. And so, with this bizarre mix of confidence and fear, I found myself, in the summer of my fourteenth year, towing the rubber atop an actual mound, peering into the distance at the suddenly more hulking, imposing boys in the batter's box, which was now sixty feet six inches away. They waggled their shimmering TPX aluminum bats with the undefinable but undeniable swagger of the more robustly funded youth leagues in the neighboring towns, radiant with the polish of American Legion clinics and fall rec leagues, and they positively walloped my once-effective fastballs all across the backfields of northern Virginia. I went very quickly from idolizing the artful unfurling of McDonald's limbs to empathizing with the rapid unfurling of his dreams. Once it became clear that I didn't have much to offer on the field besides a broad portfolio of impressions of pitchers from the mid-90s, I went on to find a modicum of success as the public address announcer for my high school team much the way Ben McDonald enjoyed a mildly entertaining run as the Orioles' color commentator on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. Ultimately, in my case, it became clear that my true talents lay elsewhere, and today I'm an unrenowned but fairly effective administrative assistant at a large corporation. Ben McDonald has also mostly moved on from broadcasting, and while he's yet to achieve the promise that his amateur career seemed to foretell, I believe he'll one day fulfill his potential, perhaps in some other form. As an archaeologist, say, or maybe a dolphin trainer. Mike Messina, for his part, 
always seemed unconcerned with how he looked when he made his pitches, preferring instead to focus on pounding the zone with innovative offerings that opponents found enticing enough to swing at, and yet too deft to catch up to. It's an approach that Ben McDonald and I hope to one day understand. Well, there you go, folks, your special edition episode of Baltimoreans. You can hear that essay in the context of the larger episode of Stealing Home at stealinghome.org, and I would encourage you to do so. It's a really great show. Really appreciate David having me on. We will be back with you next week with a full, normal episode of Baltimoreans. All of the customary tomfoolery will be back in your ears once again. We are, of course, members, proud members of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find all of the Baltimore Sports Report Network shows at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. And you can find all of our episodes at bmorons.com. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us an iTunes review. And thank you, as always, for listening. As I like to say on my other podcast, Dingmantics, in the words of the inimitable John Miller and the immortal Dr. Bob Frapples, swing hard in case you hit it, and they're not all going to be home runs. Talk to you next week. Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. <laughs>